All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. This is Chasing Function, and this is Kai. And this is Noah. And we're back. And Kai's having a Noah week. Kai's having a Noah week. I he's don't know if it's going to be that much. His, he's got some <laughs> shit he wants to get off his chest. Well, I don't know if it's a, something off my chest, but it's definitely something that was pretty uh, mind mind shifting and, and mind blowing for me. Um, so I was telling Noah that I've been on a sad guru kick. And for those who don't know who sad guru is, he's an Indian guru. He's doing like talks and interviews and all this stuff. Very, very, very wise man. And um, puts shifts perspective for a lot of people. Um, and he had this one interview I think it was with Lewis Howes on the School of Greatness. And uh, I think Lewis Howes was like asking, you know, if we want wealth and we want abundance and we want health, we want all these things, um, you know, how how would someone go about doing that and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, you're thinking about this all wrong. You're setting up all the wrong goals. And he he asks him a question. He says, is your life in pursuit of happiness or is it an expression of joy? And that was like, whoa. Damn. Because like in our constitution, it says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? So when we when we take a like deconstruct that pursuit of happiness we're chasing something that is essentially outside of us right and we always talk about something that you know we have to create it we have to be you know look within and everything is inside of you and and you can express that so you know when we think about all the goals that we set they're all things that are outside of us right money um you know, the way we, we look, the way we present each, ourselves to others, we are looking for, you know, affirmation and like, oh, I look good. Do I look good? Oh, I have to ask somebody else if I look good or if I'm a good person or all these things, right? And so, you know, well, before I get into my thoughts, let me, I want to hear your thoughts on that. No, keep going. Quote. No, no, you're rolling. Keep going. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think it's just, it's such a, such a fundamental thing, I think, that people start off on the wrong foot all the time because they're looking for something that is outside of them. So like extreme example is the high you get from drugs or alcohol or whatever, and it's like, that's something that you have to get outside of you in order to feel those feelings, right? To feel that high. So they're in pursuit of that happiness, right? Let's just call happiness a drug, right? Like we're chasing it and chasing it and chasing it to no end. And, you know, he gave an example that, you know, in order to find it, people will do whatever it takes, right? So if we look at, the uh the businessman that can only find happiness when he has the most money in the world he's 
utilizing money to create happiness in his life. And so he's going to tear down the forest to build his power plant that's going to create energy for the cars that we're building, right? He's going to um, buy up all the farmland and make sure that it's up to his standards and make sure that he's going to profit off of all of it, right? So, um, you know, and th those are extreme examples and, you know, examples kind of more close, closer to home is like, well, I want to lose weight because I want to look good. I want to feel good. I want to, um, you know, look good naked or whatever it is, right? But you're looking for something that's an affirmation from somebody else, right? Like if you're not okay with your body, why, why are you searching for someone else to say that you look good? So there's just, there's so much here to unpack. Like, oh my goodness, so much. Um, in the essence of just like going after it, right? We know that happiness provides us with dopamine, right? We know that it's, it drives the hormones around feeling good. So my struggle when I hear stuff like this is, are we inherently flawed by design in that we're going to seek dopamine at its purest form? And so if you think about it, like, you know, you go back to the test, positive test, negative pathways of polyvagal theory. And I go, I take my kids to Target. And then we buy Barbies, right? And I get a dopamine kick off buying my kids Barbies, right? Because I grew up poor and didn't have the opportunity to do those things, right? So I'm, I go and I buy these Barbies. And these Barbies, I mean, they're nothing. They're a material thing. My kids will play with them for like three times, right? But why did I buy the Barbies? Well, because I wanted the dopamine hit. I selfishly wanted to feel good, even though that's inherent, right? Like I created that. So when I read things like this, it's interesting because I look at the direction mankind and humanity has gone and they're always seeking more dopamine hits, right? So like if you think of tribal man, his dopamine hits were smaller and more sporadic and his life got simpler and, abund and more abundant those dopamine kicks became more and more common, greater, which then numbs them, making us want to seek more, right? Which is the internal struggle of capitalism, right? And I'm not like a socialist by any means, but the answer to me probably lies somewhere in the middle. But the nature of capitalism is it's going to, that, that's going to snowball, right? Because if I'm an unwhole human, who finds value and creates dopamine in things, right? Or in the pursuit of happiness, right? Then I'm going to continue along that pathway. So to me, when I read this, I wonder if we are flawed by design as humans and this was inevitable, right? Because life had to get easier we weren't going to stay tribal man. And so I don't know how to prevent this. And ironically, 
a lot of choices I've made are to live in the expression of joy, right? Change my career, um, got out of a relationship that was problematic for me, um, that didn't bring the best of me out, right? Like I've done, I made a lot of choices around trying to live in the expression of joy. And it's hard for me. So I can't imagine someone who's less, who, who is less self-actualized do it to do the same things. Like they're not even going to understand what this means. Like I literally, like when I, when you sent this to me, I was like, how many people are going to hear this? And is it going to resonate at all? You know what I mean? You're too quiet. I'm just taking it all in. Um, yeah, I think that people may not understand it, but I think it's a question to be asked anyway. I think that people will take it however they need to. And, you know, Sadhguru always, he talked about, um, you know, taking things in as they are, right? We have so much prejudgment of, you know, of so many things that we are already reacting before things happen, right? So I think um, when we can take things as they are, process it, and then express, I think that's uh, part of the solution, the root solution. because I think right now, like you said, like we get all these dopamine hits throughout the day, right? Instagram, TikTok, um, coffee, uh, donut, like all these things that are out in front of us that we can just get dopamine whenever we want. But I think that's the thing in and of itself, right? Like that's the thing that we're chasing as opposed to expressing the joy right like i i think that's my struggle when i when i hear something like this though is is i go back to that like is it an inherent flaw like are we as humans flawed by nature because we're so we have such a predisposition towards that because you you could argue i mean granted we don't understand tribal like we don't know tribal man the way we 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 think we do right we 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 have we guess a lot, but is this a new problem or is this a no? You know what I mean, I feel like it's not a, a a new problem. I feel like this is like, I mean, if we really think about it, you know, thousands and thousands of years, there really can't be many new problems, right? Right. Um, but I think. I I I want to reference that um, the Brett Weinstein book. Um, I forget the name of it, but basically he was saying that we evolved too fast for where we are now, right? Which I think that's a part of the problem, right? I don't think that inherently we were flawed. I think what happened is this is just a theory, is that when I think it, it goes along with like a, uh, like how people get addicted to drugs, right? Like they get this super big high and then they want it again 
but because there's tolerance levels, it's like, oh, it's not as high as it was before. So I got to do more and 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 more. And then never, it's never enough, right? It's the same with money, right? Like if you're always constantly looking for more money because you think that's going to bring you happiness, you're just always going to, it's never going to be enough, right? And And it's kind of the same thing with goal setting right like okay i hit my goal what next oh i gotta hit another goal okay what next okay another goal oh, hey okay, what's next so that's what i'm i think he means by this is that there you're if you're always in pursuit of something that is outside of you you're always going to struggle you're always going to uh be miserable right like because you got to keep getting more so when you slow down and, you know, that whole saying, stop and smell the roses, it's like, look at what you have around you. Like, who would have thought that we'd be talking, you're in North Carolina and I'm in California. Who, who would have thought we could be talking through webcam and um, recording a podcast and, you know, like these things that we've taken for granted because we've just been around it for so long right um i think that when we can appreciate the the evolution that we've uh, created but also understanding and 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 getting rooted in nature and um and, and staying grounded i think that you know uh there has to be polarity right <clears throat> there's a universal law of polarity right like there's no up without a down right there's no positive without a negative so i feel like yes there is the the inherent uh effects of dopamine in our body and and our body craves more but learning how to control that i think is is part of it right and I think that's the thing that this quote is saying is when you express joy, you're able to control the pursuit of happiness is kind of what I think, because like if you're always pursuing, you never have it. But if so you this is, this, sorry, this is the Zach, this is that Zach Bush conversation, right? Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know who Zach Bush is, he's a, clinician uh he's got a really solid podcast on the aubrey marcus podcast yeah. we look up zach bush on aubrey marcus um zach bush talks a lot about how there's a direct correlation to disease and time and how time is the constraint that causes the stress yeah that begins illness and so what Zach talks a lot about is like being appreciative to, to nature, uh, taking and being appreciated by being appreciative. You're taking notice and you're recognizing what nature is doing for you and what it's doing around you. He talks a lot about trying to not use time as a constraint. And I think these things go hand in hand. The interesting thing about it though, to me becomes if you live in that perspective, then 
how do you find drive? Right? Because, and I've talked about this a lot. I, I tell my patients this a lot. I took a sports psychology class like a hundred years ago in college. And um, we were talking about Michael Jordan. And we were talking about how just inherently flawed Michael Jordan is as a human being, right? And so we were talking about his obsession with competition, his obsession with winning, which if you guys don't know who Michael Jordan is, uh, one of the best basketball players of all time, and, and he's uh, uniquely intense. Um, but Michael Jordan had a game where he scored like 68 points. Don't quote me on that, but it was somewhere around there. He had one of the all-time great games of all time. And at the end of the game, he was found shooting a jump shot from the same spot yeah. over and over and over again. So he had an all-time great game, like one of the best of all time. And instead of celebrating it, he's literally practicing a shot that he missed. And when asked why, he said, because I should have scored like 75, right? And so all he could do was think about more, right? And more and more. Well, the thing is, is like, that mentality is really celebrated, right? Culturally. Yeah. Like we, we celebrate it culturally. We celebrate that success. We celebrate that drive. And so the struggle when I hear quotes like this is I don't totally know where the line is because on one hand, I think our society wouldn't be where it is today if there weren't people like Michael Jordan, right? There weren't people pushing to move the wheel. But is our society better off? Is our society better off? But like we talked about with Brett Weinstein, we evolved too fast. Right. So, and then you're, you know, the whole, your whole premise of how do we create drive is in that pursuit. So you're coming from that place that we need to pursue more. Right. And what I think Sadhguru is talking about when you say express joy is like just being who you are, expressing who you are, and learning from others, and you evolve that way, as opposed to pursuing, like, think about if we never had the Industrial Revolution, and we still farmed the way that we did before, and we didn't have all these processed foods, like, who knows what could have happened at that point, right? Yeah, we but, have all those big buildings and all these other things, but go ahead. But the, the Industrial Revolution and industrialized farming was an outlier around famine, right? So we you have to also understand that there was mad suffrage in the 30s because there's massive amounts of food shortages because the population wasn't keeping up with the amount of food production. And so it's interesting, right? Cause I'm a hater, right? And I'm a huge hater. And like, I'm like tribal life, less role, right? Like I'm ready to go full avatar. But when you look at 
why factory farming exists. It's gotten completely out of control. Does not mean defending factory farming. Like I think it's one of the biggest problems we have in the world. But the reason factory farming exists is because the Great Depression was hugely problematic from a famine perspective. And these factory farms came about after that because they needed an abundance of food to, to nourish population. I think we're going down a history thing, but what, what happened with the Great Depression? Well, there's a war that broke us out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then why do we have war? Because somebody wants more, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's like a, that's a hard one because like, I mean, there's the conspiracy theorists in me. And then there's like, (laughs) then there's the, like, let's keep it like the other guy. Right. So like (laughs) uh, the argumentation around war uh, around world wars would be preventative measures around genocide. Um, this isn't a history podcast, but my, my, I guess my point though is if we live in a society that didn't progress at- well, well, okay. How do you know that wouldn't progress if there was no pursuit? Well, here's here, my point, though. Let me let me finish that thought. Okay, so go for it. If, if society stayed tribal, right, and we didn't progress into, like, civilizations, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a hot-button issue because of the wokeness of the world, but what does suffrage look like, right? Because it's, it's, it was unsafe. Tribal living is unsafe right like so it's tough because i don't know where the answer lies between these worlds where when i read something like this how do i temper drive with living in the moment right i don't think the moment doesn't drive drive I don't think it's living in the moment. He he also talked about that's like a very Californian thing. Like how else, how else would you live if you didn't live in the moment? Is that a question? Yeah. How else I live? Well, how do I, okay. I mean, that's like the, the that's, a, that's an interesting question, right? Cause how do I live? versus you, you just live that's it it's not living in the moment well, but but that isn't the perspective on the word live is like that's a problem in its own right right like quantifying what live means because on one hand but why if do you, you work in well because people do like because here's the thing right if someone in mortgage who's happy happy air quotes uh who's working 60 hours a week and fill in the bank account, right? Happy again, air quotes. But they're happy in that world, right? They, they like that. They would argue they're living. But that's, see, that's right? quality of life. That's not living. Living meaning you're not dead. But that's my point, though, is their line of argumentation. Because here's the thing, right? I'm playing devil's advocate here, usually, because I'm not ironically going way against, like, what I believe. Because again, I left that world, right? Like I walked yeah. away from $200,000 a year. So, um, 
but there's a lot of people in that world that would be like, I'm fine, yo. Like I'm going to Belize for a month. Like I'm going to take a year off work and go to Taiwan. Like I just have to sacrifice time to do that. Right. And so the, the hard thing when the hard thing around these like ideas is that it, everyone has such a unique feeling on this. Like they have a, they're, they're, it's so personal to them. Of course. Because there's so many, there's so many people that do value things that we don't value. Yeah. But see, there's a difference. So that's the whole point of the quote, right? Like if they're happy with going to Belize and working 60 hours and there's no problems, then they're expressing their joy. Right. But if they're not happy and they're trying to go on vacation because they can't, have happiness at home they need to leave and they're pursuing it but then when they go on their vacation they're looking at their email and they're like stressing about work they're on the pursuit of happiness yeah yeah i mean that's there's so much depth to this conversation and i think it becomes so philosophical right because Mm -hmm. there's so much interpretation around these things when i read that read that quote personally the way I read it and the way I took it internally was essentially like slow down and live in what's around you. Right. And so, which again, Zach Bush says is how we, I mean, how we cure disease according to Zach Bush. Um, I don't think that's wrong. Right. Like I, I actually agree with that. And for me personally, that does work. I just, I um, I think it's such a hard pill for so many people to swallow and that a hard way for a lot of people to live. And so it's a hard sell, right? Well, it's not about selling it, right? I think it's people get to decide whether or not they're in pursuit of happiness or they're expressing joy. I think the reason I brought it up was because if there are people that are listening to this and they're on the fence of like, I'm confused with life. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm so miserable, blah, blah, blah. Then they can have the realization of, Oh, you know what? I am pursuing something that's outside of me. I'm trying to pursue happiness, but damn, I live in California or I live in whatever state that they're in. And I have a house. I could not have a house. Uh, why why is this house different than any other house because i'm here because i make this a home right and and that can be an expression of joy like i i can live in a very small tiny place but it's my house and when i come home i feel home right so i think that it doesn't have to be anything other than like what do i want to choose Do I want to choose to pursue things that are not going to make me happy, but are going to push me forward into maybe something else that I can express joy in. Right. I think that the, the, the underlying theme of it is utilizing your power of choice because every day we have a choice, whether or not we want to express joy or do we go pursue happiness? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, uh, man, again, deep, 
like I it took me a long time to figure out what happiness looked like, you know? And maybe that's that's to that's that's to the point of you know my trauma, right? Um maybe it's not. I don't know. I again like I I see this and I hear this and I want to bring this to my kids, right? And like bring that life to my kids. And then well, I, I think, think about go ahead. I think about how they're already so deeply groomed out of it. But just the education system alone, like withdraws them from that, that mindset, right? It takes them out of presence of mind. It takes them out of like, they have to be somewhere at a certain time. They have home, they're in second grade, they have homework, right? There's pressure around standardized testing. Like society takes that from you at a really, really, really young age. And, you know, even if I withdrew, they don't watch a ton of YouTube, but if I went through YouTube and I took away, they don't have any social media, but like, I think even if we took those things away, there's such an incredible abundance, right? Like in the world that we live in now, there's such an incredible abundance. Like there's so many things that people have access to. And even when you're poor, like you, a lot of poor people still have a lot of access to things, right? And like you think back to like poor people in the 30s, right? And like they're playing with like wood figurines, right? That's like what my grandpa told me about. But they're, they're like rocks or toys and shit, right? It's not like that anymore. It isn't. Like even mm-hmm. really, really poor people still have access to things, right? And so it creates this culture around things that on things and time constraints and pressure and um i don't know if it's good or bad um but i know that it makes it hard to slow things down slow them down right yeah and um you know uh and uh, lewis house were talking about it and you know said posed the question like when was the last time you had a full 24 hours of joy, just pure joy. Most people would say when they were kids, right? That's the only time when maybe there was less time constraint. There wasn't people telling you, you need to get good grades. You need to make money. You need to do this, right? Like think about from the ages, like three to five before they get into the school system. Like my nephews are, he's three and he got a box with a toy in it and he threw the toy out and played with the box like having the time of his life playing with so i struggle with that though right because i think back to my kids and i don't know i mean up until maybe the last couple years i don't know of a day that went by that didn't have tears right because kids don't have on regular emotions so the smallest thing is the biggest thing right and so I would, I would challenge that with, I don't think we're wired that way. I don't know any kids. I don't know, I don't know anyone who's had like 24 hours of bliss. And I don't know if it's possible. Maybe it's the world we live in. Maybe. I, think it's, I think that's the thing, right? Because like 
if you go like because he also uh showed an example of like if you go to like a third world country and you look at people that are they're living there that aren't you know trivial with like oh i need to make tons of money i need to you know like look at a at a in like sardinia look at a grandma that's out there just making food for the family you know going out walking picking up the groceries like who's to say she's not blissful right and they they're the ones that live the longest like i feel like and bliss is in simplicity right and that's i think that's i guess i guess that's to my point maybe i'm not articulating it well but has society stripped us of that well, I, I, from the very beginning, right, 1776, when our constitution was made, said the pursuit of happiness. So it's instilled in us at a very young age. Like, that's what our country was built on. So how would it not be instilled in, in, in our society, right? I think that that alone, capitalism, everything is all striving for more, striving for more, striving for more. Not to say that more is bad, but it's if you're if you're in pursuit of something so much, then how do you have time to slow down? You don't, right? I'm sure you've noticed a huge difference living in North Carolina than California. There's so much more slowdown, right? And you know, like you told me before, like someone's super happy working at Dollar Tree. Like there is simplicity in our in our country, but you know, people over here are like, oh, can't live that life. I gotta make money. I gotta keep going. Yeah, build. It's it's interesting. The um, God, how do I sell this without sounding terrible? Um, the California, Southern California, Orange County. Um, the, the exposure around education is very, very high. The intellect is very, very high, um, in comparison. Um, but the need for more is higher. And I don't, I wonder sometimes, and I've always wondered this, if it's that like ignorance is bliss, right? It's the idiocracy model, that movie idiocracy where like, People are getting dumber, but they're really happy to be dumb. Um, and I'm not saying bliss comes to those who are dumb, but I wonder if there's a correlate around ignorance because you just don't know what's different. Well, like, you know, and I'm going to quote with Agu again, but he was talking about, um, you know, the people that are, you know, like me and you that are striving for more knowledge and more knowledge and more knowledge, right? At the end of the day, when we die, what is that knowledge going to do for us? I can't agree. I like, here's the problem though, Kai. Like I've said this from the beginning and I'll say it over and over again, that my insecurity drives me, which isn't maybe a good or bad thing, depending on how you look at it. Right. Um, I think I've certainly channeled it into a place that's beneficial for me. Um, but my insecurity absolutely drives me. When you ask like what my intellect has done for me or like what my 
pursuit of education has done for me. I would argue it's helped a lot of people. I mean, this podcast alone, I have, I, I live in service. The more I understand, the more, the better I understand the human body, the more service I can offer. So sorry to cut you off, but are you doing it in pursuit of more knowledge or are you doing it to express your want for knowledge? That's tough. Like, I, I don't know if like you're arguing semantics at that point. Right. I, like, I don't know if you're doing both. Right. Like the expression of knowledge is the expression of joy for me. Right. Like helping people. Well, that's but, what I mean. Right. But, but is my need to provide care and service just a trauma response around my breaks. So I'm fulfilling dopamine kicks with expression of joy. I don't think so. I feel like this trauma response and, you know, the reaction of um, insecurities and things like that, like that could be the solvency for you is to express joy so that you don't feel insecure. I mean, it's feasible. Yeah, I I don't, this is like, and this is why like when we had talked about this, this topic is so interesting. Like when you start getting into philosophy, right? Um, like there's no like, there isn't an answer, right? Like, so like, I was on my college debate team a hundred years ago. I don't tell people this a lot, but um, so I was in this like parliamentary style debate where there's these kids in classrooms debating about current events and philosophy. And, um, and you know, you're competing, right? Like naturally. So you're trying to win. Um, and people get so passionate about philosophy, like really, really deep, really passionate. Like Nietzsche says, and like all this stuff, right? And uh, at the end of it, like, I always was like, I don't know if you're right. I don't know. Like, philosophy is this ongoing circle, right? We're asking hard questions around things that don't have application. Like, we don't know. Like, we don't know. And you can make arguments in all directions around them. So that doesn't mean it's not important. doesn't mean it shouldn't be discussed. Um, In fact, I would argue that, like, the progression of conversation is the most important part about philosophy, right? Is that we are going to have active conversations around things, but it's interesting when you like have discussions like this, because like you could make some arguments in either direction. What I will say is personally, uh, now that I'm, I'm all done over here playing devil's advocate. Um, (laughs) Personally, when I did read this quote, and I wanted to save this for the end, um, I actually like really like felt good about it and clung to it because as someone who's made really dramatic changes in my life around trying to find the expression of joy, um, I feel like I'm significantly happier and I'm much better adjusted and far less depressed living in expression of joy um 
And so I, I lean in that direction. It's just, I know how many people I talk to that can't get there for whatever reason, right? I, I don't think that it's up to us for yeah. them to get it. I think that, you know, with these questions and, you know, the reason I brought it up was not to sell it to anybody to um, make it, make an argument for it. I think the beauty of questions like this and the beauty of philosophy is that it's not to force anybody either way, right? It's to question to pose the question so that other people can decide whether or not they agree with it or don't agree with it. Right. So someone that listens to this and is like, Oh, that's bullshit. Like, I don't want to listen to that. That's perfectly okay. But somebody who's listening to this and then they are like, yeah, I'm in pursuit of happiness. I'm going to start expressing joy and they change their life such that you did like, that's awesome for them. But it's no skin off my back because I'm, I'm not the one making decisions for them. Right. And I think that having this open discussion about it and diving a little bit deeper in it can help people understand it a little bit more and, and then make a, a, a more informed decision, whether or not they want to subscribe to that or not. I think that that's the beauty of this and the beauty of this platform and the beauty of what we do. Right. Like, people get to choose whether or not they want to stay in pain or, or get out of it. And they have a decision of whether or not they want to listen to what we say and, and roll with it or say, forget it. I'm going to go listen to somebody else. There's so much calmness in that too. I'll tell you that like when I used to own my CrossFit and I used to interact with people, I so badly wanted things for people that they didn't want. And that was really stressful and really hard for me. And some of that was, I think there was some insecurity around that, right? Because I was like, well, they want this too. They'll, they'll stay and then my gym thrives, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when I changed careers and went to the route, the route I went, went going into pain, um, initially I caught myself early on being like offended if people didn't want what I had to offer. Right. Mm. And like, like hurt my feelings. Like I felt rejected. Yeah. And um, ironically, Dr. Loke in Pasadena and I had a conversation about this and he, he just said, you know, you can't like you, you can't be offended. Like you just have to be here for people and be in service. And he said, you can say things to people a thousand times. If they're not ready to hear it, then they're not ready to hear it. Yeah. And so he said, just keep repeating yourself until they, they're ready to hear. It. And if they're not, it's not your fault. And I'll tell you that once I got into that place, and I think this fits this protocol of expression of joy, I don't take offense anymore. I just want to be here for people. Yeah. And so if someone says, uh, I know you don't particularly like Kairos, but I do. I used to like try to like convince them of like how smart I am and why Kairos aren't the thing. But now I just say, great. If it works for you, continue to go to your Cairo. These are some things I would do if I were you. 
as to go congruency with your cardio, but um, whatever works for you. If you like foam rolling. I don't foam roll, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't, right? If you like it, foam roll. So it's interesting because whether I know it or not, as I find like inner peace and find myself, I lean into that quote more and more. And I just live in this, like, when I live in service, that is my expression of joy to your point. Yeah. Um, and so I realized I've run full 360. I did this intentionally guys, by the way. Um, but it's just interesting. And it's, and again, hopefully people hear this podcast and just take it for what it is, which is food for thought. Like the hope is that you hear this discussion around this idea and think about it. And I, you know, if you don't agree, that's okay. If you do agree, that's okay too. Um, and I, I, I think it's, it's all okay. It's just a matter of just hear it, you know, hear everything. My grandpa used to tell me that the wisest man in the room is usually the quietest. As Kai's quietly say there. Um, so um, that said, thank you guys. This one's a little bit different because it's been, this is philosophy 101, but um, fun. So this is Noah at root.solution. And this is Kai at Control the Basics. And thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time.